everything good with you? Yeah, everything's good, man. How's everything been with you, man? No, everything's good with me, man. Everything's good with me. Uh, just keeping it moving. Just keeping it moving. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I was so excited when I saw that post on Instagram when you posted that you were filming the do uh, the documentary for WWE for uh, Nexus. Episode 71, is this how we're going to start, Arnold? That's how we're going to start. It's, we've been rolling, man. Let me just say that, you know, um, when they contacted me uh, a couple of weeks ago about doing this Nexus documentary, I said, sure, cool, you know? Uh, what they paid me, you know, I always say if I did this for the money, I would have complained a long time ago. I said, sure, no problem. I'm available on a Tuesday that we planned. And um, I purposely showed up with my New Japan jacket because I'm very proud of it, very proud of it. So when I got onto the set, they flew a camera crew to LA, uh, rented out a house, and we did it in a house. And mm. um, as soon as uh, the producer and I met, uh, he was very cool. And he's like, oh, how, how do you like New Japan and everything? I said, yeah, you know, uh, I love it. It's always been a bucket list of mine. And he kept talking. And uh, as soon as we started rolling, he asked me, oh, do you mind if you can take off your New Japan jacket? I said, just like this. You know, I'm very proud of this New Japan jacket. And, you know, you guys just inducted Jushin Liger into the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame. And I just talked to John Laurinaitis a couple of weeks ago because he was just calling to check up on me. And he told me about a New Japan WWE possible collaboration. Who knows? Mm. So let me just be me. Is this, if this interview is supposed to be Nexus documentary, uncut, uncensored, let me just be me because I'm very proud. And the producer said, no problem. You sold me on it. <laughs> so after I had posted what I was very proud of, uh, a couple of fans had made a GIF, not a GIF, but like one of those pictures blurring out the logo uh, for New Japan, saying that's probably what WWE will probably do. Uh -huh. And I said to myself, it won't be the first time WWE has blurred something out of me. They blurred out my ex-boyfriend years ago when we were on the red carpet, so I'm not unfamiliar with that. But for them to do that, that would be very childish, you know? Yeah. But at this at this point in my career, let me be me, you know what I mean? Ten years, you know, you want to know what's happening ten years after the Nexus? I'm not some broken down veteran that's all hunched over and not taking care of their body. Ten years later, I'm with New Japan. Yeah. And this this is this is my heart, my soul, and my everything. And um like I said, I'm very, very, very proud of this. You know what I mean? And for them to tell me to take this off, I mean, what do you think, Arnold? First of all, that looks really fresh. I think that's a new one. I haven't seen you wear that one before. And Brand new. You're 100% right, man. Like I, like I tell you many times in private that I feel like you're doing your best work right now. All your matches in New Japan all look like main event matches. You're in your prime. You look better now than you did uh, back in WWE. And you're right. If they're going to do a 10-year Nexus kind of like, you know, nostalgia and also include the whole like, where are they now type of thing, got to keep it authentic. Got to keep it genuine. Like you're in New Japan right now. Yes. And again, like wrestling's like, wrestling evolve, you know? Like I feel like it shouldn't be that big of a deal anymore. 
for you to wear that. And it shouldn't be blurred out where, you know, WWE in the past, they had like Dixie Carter on the network for Imp from Impact Wrestling. Um, recently, uh, they had Matt Cardona on the Mrs. Uh, you know, 24, uh, whatever series on uh, the WWE network. And he's not mm -hmm. with WWE anymore. So like, it shouldn't be that big of a deal anymore. Good for you for standing up like that, man. And I love Whatever. how the producer yeah. said that you sold him on it because you. I felt like you were ready. I felt like you anticipated a situation like that and you already had one of your canned answers. Oh, exactly, Horn. I knew it was going to happen. It was like a scene out of a movie. As soon as they hit the record button uh, and he asked me to take my jacket off, I said, you know, I can, you know, and I said what I said and I met what I said. And I'm very proud of the stuff I'm doing with New Japan. And I talked to the people at New Japan that really matter to me and that have been really helping me out. And they thought it was funny, you know, yeah. and all it, all this is putting more eyes on, on New Japan. And if they do this collaboration in the future, you know, let me be a part of it. Let me do, let, let me do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Hey, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I was very proud of me wearing the jacket. And if they use the footage, they use it. Like I said, if I would have done this for the money, I would have complained a long time ago. I can't even buy a cup of Starbucks coffee for what they offered me. But, like, you know, I went there with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. Uh, yeah. when, was it, were you when, the only one that was in the house? Or did you meet some of your friends there? No, it was just me. You know, I guess they're going to, the producer said that they've already interviewed Wade. They've already interviewed Daniel Bryan. Uh, and probably the reason why they interviewed those guys is like, when you're under WWE's conglomerate, like, you know, they'll have you do these little appearances and like, like, you know, it's all included into your contract with WWE. So like Wade Barrett, hey, Wade, we need you to be here to do this uh, our Nexus documentary. Boom. He's already doing it because he's already signed to WWE. Yeah. I talked to him. I talked to him right before the pandemic. And um, he told me, um, because he wasn't with WWE at the time, that he would not be willing to come back because the money wasn't right for him. You know, it is what it is. The money's got to be right. The money wasn't right for me for this interview, but I knew what I was going into. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to represent New Japan. And I definitely did that. But yeah. Um, How did you feel after the shoot was over? Did you feel like you got your story out there? Did you feel satisfied with everything that you said? Yeah. You know, I knew about this ahead of time. So I had all the stories I wanted to hit. You know, I tied it all the way back to New Japan about, you know, uh, the moments that we had with Nexus and, you know, tearing up the ring and all those are great memories, but I'm very proud of the moves that I continue to make with New Japan because when the pandemic hit with us all, I didn't stop. I didn't stop grinding on social media, re reaching out to sponsorships. I didn't stop working out in the backyard, which I'm still doing to this day. I'm like, do I really want to go back to the gym? But eventually I'm going to go back to the gym. I've been getting it in in the backyard myself. I didn't stop, you know, this pandemic didn't uh, put a halt on my career or my goals or my, you know, uh, opportunities that were just, uh, just put into my lap, you know what I mean?
Yeah, absolutely, man. But, you know, Arnold, I just saw Heath. Uh, I surprised him. He did an appearance uh, at the a wrestling guy store. I saw that. And uh, I don't, I, I waited an hour of traffic, LA traffic, to see Heath. I hadn't seen him in years. And during the Nexus interview, when the producer asked me who were some of my friends, uh, uh, they were all my friends, but Heath is like at the top. And with Heath, I always say, even when we had him on our podcast, from hiding under bleachers to setting off fire alarms, we've seen it all, we've done it all, and we've got so much love for one another. So I stopped by the restaurant store to just uh, surprise him, and he oh, was so crazy. happy. He was so happy and everything. Um, PJ Black was happy, right? Yeah, PJ Black showed up, uh, you know, after. I was actually in the area, so uh, that's why I stopped by to see him. Um, but I wouldn't have done that for anyone except for Heath. And yeah. even Heath and I were talking, and he asked me how did the sit-down interview uh, go. And I said, because I was wearing a New Japan shirt, I said, man, it was cool, but I'm representing this. And he's like, man, you know, Freddie, you were always a workhorse of the group, you know. You always work. I said, yeah, you know. But throughout the interview, the Nexus documentary, I talked about not being out, not being comfortable, being amongst the guys. When a microphone is put in my face, I, I just was terrified because the fear of the unknown, you know, I just, you know, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't confident in myself. You know, he says, you know, and he said it on a podcast, we're not young punks anymore. We're grown ass men 10 years later. So if we were to come back now, it would be a totally different story. But even Heath and I agreed that you can't sit down. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll come out great on the network, or whatever. But you can't sit us all down separately and tell the story. Yeah, they'll try to make it look cool and everything. But you got to do a seven, eight round table with all of us because yeah. that's when that's when the stories are going to come out. That's when the laughters are going to come out. They got some laughs out of me of me sharing stories, but you have to get all of us together uh, and do a seven or eight round table. Like I don't count Daniel Bryan. Wade doesn't count Daniel Bryan as being uh, the original Nexus. Right. Um, so sit us all down and let's just have it out and have fun. So that's, that's like the best way that they can get, get it done. Maybe they'll do it. 10 years later from now, 20 years, you know, who knows, okay. but I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm glad I was able to share my story. Just like I say on our podcast, don't die with the story and you tell it. So I was not going to turn down that opportunity. Man, Daniel Bryan is like the Ahmed Johnson for you guys. Just like how the Godfather doesn't say that he's, he doesn't count as the nation of domination. That's Daniel Bryan for you guys. Oh, oh Ahmed Johnson doesn't count him uh wait say it again well godfather when we had him on on our episode oh yes, yes johnson that is not included in the nation domination because ron simmons doesn't include him in the nation wow. of domination so he goes by what, what ron says oh okay yeah same same wait wade was the leader so um well i guess eventually they'll get all the members who knows if they'll get ride back or not uh who knows but they called me i did it also, you don't think Ryback was in the documentary as of right now? Well, I don't know, because when I did the interview recently, I asked, who have you gotten so far? And they said Daniel Bryan and Wade. So oh, you're right. yeah, I, yeah. Guess I, I guess I was the easiest, uh, the third easiest and most gullible one. Sure, he'll do it. You know, he's been trying to 
uh, get back with Nexus or 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 WWE, but everything was calculated with me, baby. I can't see them reaching out to Ryback after all the, you know, things that Ryback has said about the company. I mean, uh, sure, it's his truth, but again, I, I don't think the WWE would reach out after all that. Maybe, maybe they, they probably won't because you know why the producer kept saying. Uh, because I mentioned a Ryback story about how we would do the attacks that he would always be throwing elbows and a lot of times he would be hitting us. Yeah. Uh, so I told that story and everyone was laughing and then uh, they asked me to say the story again, like talk about that story in detail. Uh, so they'll probably, they'll probably cut to Ryback beating up on someone <laughs> and, then, and then me telling the story and then who knows? Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Like, like they probably the narrator will probably say, yeah, he was very, uh, very unsafe to work with. Apparently, to other Nexus members, you know. Yeah. They know they'll take a sound bite of me or someone else, but he says that they haven't contacted him because he signed to Impact. So. No, I don't think that should be a thing. I'm sure that's gonna happen soon because, like, I don't know. I feel like they don't see Impact as a direct competition or anything like that you know like i said uh, matt cardona did it for wwe and um yeah they, they had dixie carter so come on like they yeah. should have Keith on there yeah yeah and also uh even great news for me is that i'm officially signing with new japan oh yeah so, congrats uh, man yeah man so it's just uh the first time i'm saying it wow on our podcast you know first time i'm telling the story about the nexus documentary and like I said, first time telling everyone that uh, I'm going to be legit with New Japan, man. Consistency is so important, man. You know how much I've wanted this so bad. I've yes. said it on the podcast, you know what I mean? I wish I could go back, you know, we're on episode 72, man. But I'm sure on plenty of the episodes I've mentioned my desire to work with New Japan. And I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. Even you'll probably get ignored. New Japan, New Japan. That's all he talks about. New Japan, New Japan. Well, I'm very <laughs> proud of it. I'm very proud of it. I'm still rocking and rolling, making my 30s, just my 20s. Good for you, man. And you're one step closer to your dream of actually wrestling in Japan. The world's yeah. opening up, you know? So yeah, I don't know, man. Like, you know, New Japan just cancels a few shows, uh, and maybe all their shows in May, uh, the numbers and all this stuff. With, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so they've recently, like, they were supposed to have shows. What's today's date? Um, recently they were supposed to have a slew of shows, uh, but I think they canceled them for the month of May wow. because of the numbers, you know? So I don't know, man. Hopefully for New Japan Strong, uh, August, we can start running some shows, but that's just, that's just word on the street, man. So, yeah. uh, that August, if we do run shows in LA, that will definitely be the true test of, uh, if I'm really cut for New Japan, you know, because... Even though I got matched in the year 2020 with Tom Lawler, again, the true test is performing in front of a legit crowd. And I can't wait. I can't wait for that day to happen. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, man. And, you know, speaking of New Japan, there's a chance that we might see you in an AEW show because they're also collabing with AEW. I don't know if you know this, but um, for the first time ever, a New Japan championship is going to be defended on AEW, John Moxley's going to defend his U.S. championship. So 
I think that's going to be a great collaboration. You know, I think AEW and Impact, it's cool because it definitely helps Impact. I don't think it does anything for AEW, uh, but with AEW and New Japan, I feel like they're pretty, pretty, you know, pretty tied when it comes to credibility. So I think it benefits both of them. So you never know, man. But yeah, man, I think it's exciting because everyone talks about the opportunity. Like fans are like drooling of the fact that AEW is collabing with New Japan of all the dream matches that can happen. And well, I mean, sorry to cut you off, Arnold. Uh, finally, uh, Yuji Nagata and mm -hmm. Moxley. Yuji Nagata, I was just on the show with him recently. I always get to the New Japan shows that we film early because first one and last one leave, nothing changes. And um, I, I put my stuff in the locker room and started stretching in the ring. And then I had looked up at the lineup and I said, oh my God, Yuji Nagata is going to be here? Like, I was like, wow, you know? So as, after I was done stretching in the ring, you know, all the, all the OG Japanese guys, you know, they're always like looking, you know, looking at me. And then, uh, you know, he has eventually, he didn't know who I was, especially with the mask on. And wow. you know, I guess, word, I guess word, word gets around. And uh, he was like, you very famous. I said, oh my God, are you kidding me? You are. I told him uh, he's had several matches with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is my, you know, all-time favorite wrestler. He's retired. But, you know, Yuji Nagata, definitely one of my top five, ten uh, favorite wrestlers to work and to watch, you know. Uh, I, I said, man, I hope I can work you someday. You know, he was so, so, so nice, you know. So yeah. nice, but. Yeah, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see the bridge between, you know, uh, New Japan and, um, you know, AEW, you know, AEW, like I said on the podcast, they've said no to me, not once, not twice, but again, I stay in my own lane and New Japan Strong is definitely my lane. How cool would it be in the future to have an AEW versus New Japan pay-per-view, you know, where they oh. have matches champion versus champion survivor series type of matches you know if i were to do something like that and it'd be the only time that i do uh a death match you know what i mean Ooh. if i'm gonna do any if i'm gonna do any type of death match it's gonna be against moxley and wow. i've ran into him several times but we always talk about different stuff and it's not that i fanboy but like <clears throat> i just uh i've been meaning to ask him that you know i yeah. just recently ran i recently ran into him on the show uh with new japan and um uh, renee young was there so oh. i was like i saw her she's with uh, you know moxie she looked at me and she's like fred i went running over there oh. talking to her just reminiscing and stuff like that but i always i always forget to uh tell moxie i was like moxley uh the the the, the first wrestlemania that was supposed to be in tampa uh, a few months beforehand, I was reaching out to different indie promote, uh, different indie promotions about uh, working. And then this one promotion was this uh, deathmatch pr promotion. They said, "Oh yeah, you know, we have a spot for you, me, to do a death deathmatch." And I said, "I said, I, I said, I responded to the DM. I said the only way I'll ever do a deathmatch is against Moxley. You know what I mean?" He's crazy, uh, I said, man. I said, I'm not doing that stuff uh, with anyone else. And I said, that would be 
an awesome match because people wouldn't expect that out of me, but I know I could deliver the drama and all that stuff. People, I guarantee you, this is me speaking from the heart. If I were to do something like that, it would definitely be match of the year for any promotion. Wow. You know, I was because people don't expect that, you know, and then people don't expect that. And then for me, for me to be LGBTQ and, you know, just me being that pride fighter, having me, fight and bleed you know that's kind of like that's like that's drama right there yeah. and like him opening me up and i'm like like bleeding but i'm still fighting back going toe-to-toe with him that would be an incredible story that uh, both parties would uh would thrive on man you know speaking of john moxley i was watching an old clip uh that he was talking about for the dark side of the ring and i don't know if you saw this but he was talking about when he wrestled this guy in, in this indie match. And the guy kind of had a little like cutter. That's kind of like, you know, when you, when you cut like a pizza. So he had one of those and you know, the crowd was into it and John's all about, you know, crowd reaction and all that. And John thought that the guy was going to give him like a working, whatever, like a working cut or whatever. But the guy like dug deep into his forehead and he's like, Oh wow. Okay. Is this guy going to like, saw my face off and then he also got john right here like that in the mouth Ooh. and then he went like he went like that and i'm surprised john doesn't have any scars in it i know i felt it too when i when i saw it you know i'm surprised that john doesn't have any scars but then he said like this guy nearly took my tongue off and you know it's so crazy because you trust you trust your dance partner with your body and you yes. just hope that they ca- they take care of you while you have like a blade, and that guy just straight yeah. up let John have yeah. it. And that's insane, man. Uh, but if you do have a death match versus John Moxley, I don't know how you are with heights. Would you ever take a bump off of a ladder from the top? Yeah, yeah. If the price is right, and if the place is going crazy, and it's got to make sense, you know, like. Uh, it's just got to make sense. I'm not going to just do anything just to do it, you know? Yeah. Just all of my matches with New Japan have all been, like, very, very, uh, you know, driven by me, you know, driven by me. Uh, you know, there are many ways to skin a cat, but I just, is it right for the story? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, I can... Yeah, I can jump off the top, you know, but I mean, do I need to? Like, is it, it, uh, it's just like storytelling one-on-one for me. Is it needed? Who knows, you know, who knows? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do something that, do something like that with Moxley. Um, and, you know, people, you know, going, going into the match, you know, he he's already elevated he's already doing great things for him to put me over in a, a type of match like that that would that would definitely catapult me even yeah. more you know what i mean yeah and that's what and that's what it's all about people would think you know people would think that uh oh yeah he's not gonna survive with moxley he's gonna get eaten up alive but if you tell a story and you get me over both guys there's room for everyone at the finish line you know yes. what i mean so yes um, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Moxie would be down, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Have you ever bled before in your career? Nope. Nope. No, huh? September 11th, 2002, 19 years I've been rocking and rolling. Had not bled. Wow. 
Well, I've had like I've had like uh, you know bloody nose, you know bloody nose, uh, eye lips, you know. Yeah. Uh, but nothing, yeah, nothing where, like, I was bleeding like Steve Austin at yeah. WrestleMania 13 with Bret Hart when he uh, was in the sharpshooter. Oh, that's a classic scene right there, man. Yeah. Uh, um, um, check out this picture. Isn't this oh, nice? wow. That's nice, bro. That's yeah, a I comic did, book. Yeah, exactly. I did a virtual signing. So, like, uh, this this wrestling group sent out like a plethora of thanks for me to sign. So I signed them all. And I said, man, I like these, man. He's like, oh, you can keep a couple and sell them. I was like, I'm not going to sell them. I, I like how this looks, man. Hell yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and blue and blue's my favorite color, so. That's perfect. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to show you that. Yeah, absolutely. But, but did you hear the news about uh, SummerSlam possibly being at MSG? No, really? Yeah, I think they just uh, made some news uh, today about uh, possibly having SummerSlam at MSG, which is cool. I'd love for them to have it at the Staples Center, but MSG, you know, that's that's the world's most famous arena, man. I've, I've been able to wrestle there, and that place gets rocky. That's amazing, man. I was actually just watching an old uh, Undertaker documentary and it was th it was towards the end of his career, and when he rolled up to MSG, in honor of the Undertaker, they had a, a purple light from Madison Square Garden. Oh and, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and Mark was like saying, like, man, like you know, in this business, you you tend to get jaded, and then not a lot of things affect you anymore. But when I saw that, I still I felt it. I was like, wow, Madison Madison Square Garden did that for me, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that was that's a really cool moment for him. And he deserves it, man. He he really, really deserves it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and speaking of uh, of Undertaker, one of his good friends, Mark Henry, uh, he's always talking about he's wanting to have one last match. One one last match. Wow. Uh, I was about to post. I was about to post about Mark Henry that if you want to have your last match, have it have it in a different promotion you've never worked. Have it in New Japan. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, it'd be a, a good monster there. Yeah, you have your last match in WWE. It's going to be like five minutes long. Yeah. You want to have your yeah. last match, have it with an organization that you've never worked for. You know what I mean? How cool How cool of a story is that? Really cool. And, you know, I was just listening to the Busted Open podcast today, and mm -hmm. it was actually the Mother's Day special, and they had uh, the whole cast, Tommy, Dream Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, Mark Henry, and uh, it was really cool because instead of them, it was actually their wives uh, that was on the oh. podcast telling stories since it is Mother's Day, you know. And uh, Bully Ray was kind of hosting the whole thing. Once in a while, the, the guys jump back in. But, like, you know, Mark would go away and the wife, his wife would talk about him and all that. And the wife is, like, saying, like, yeah, you know, this whole pandemic is out of our, whatever, 19 years of marriage. It is the most time that we spent together. And as great as it is, there comes a time where even like my kids go, okay, when's dad going to go back to work? It's getting a little much. And uh, so Mark was like saying like, oh yeah, so you know, the pandemic was great because I spent a lot of time with my family and sure I got on their nerves a little bit, but that's the reason why I retired because I want to spend time with them. It's not because I couldn't wrestle anymore. It's not because I lost passion for the business because obviously I haven't based on this podcast and me doing other things, 
but to spend time with my family. So with that said, that means he's still capable of wrestling and he could definitely have a really great last match in New Japan. Bro, I just, when Mark Henry talks about having one last match, I remember there was a time, <laughs> we traveled together almost five years, there was a time he did not want to wrestle anymore. And <laughs> like, I mean, I'll say it on here, but I traveled with him. There was a time with, when Vince McMahon uh, told Titus and I to like take care of Mark, drive him, make sure he stretches, make sure he works out, make wow. sure he takes care of himself. Because there was a time when, like, he just, like, he was just sulking, you know, and, and you know, he was hurting, you know, yeah. which is understandable. He's a big guy. He's put a lot of miles on his body. So Titus and I were in charge of, like, making sure Mark Henry was uh, safe and sound for a long time. So, wow. yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to tell uh, stories about Mark Henry, even on the WWE and Nexus documentary. Yeah. Uh, the guy, the producer asked me, was there ever a time when you got brought up to the roster when you were intimidated and all that stuff? And uh, yeah, of course, you know, the, the times are different. You know, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, you know, when Nexus came up, we, we, we were kind of side-eyed, side-eyed a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, it, it, it was uncomfortable, especially when you're not out like me. But I always remember, I always bring up the Mark Henry story about me being in the locker room and him saying, why do, why do you got your hair like that? It makes you look gay, you know? Right, so, right. Yeah, I love, I love sharing these stories. Those are my canned stories that I'll never forget. Those times when you would take care of Mark Henry, at what stage was that in his career? Was that when he was the world heavyweight champion with the long braids? Or no, was he already no. bald? No, he was already bald. Okay. Uh, no, I'm trying to see. No, there was a time when he, no, we were, no, he had the braids when he retired. Remember when he retired, did, did, did the fake retirement? Oh, yeah, with the Salmon Blazer? Yeah, we were, we were traveling together, and I had no idea. I had no idea. Wow. Like, wow. He really got me, and I was like on the verge of tears. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> on the verge of tears. Well, yeah, that was his. I mean, that'll go down in history for him as yeah. one of his biggest, biggest promos, biggest swerves, because he swerved everybody, man. He swerved everybody. Uh, and that's when I, I think he was fighting John Cena. But that was um, that was uh, after after when he was hurting yeah. a lot. And uh, yeah, we had to we had to look out for him, you know, and there's even yeah. a picture on my social media of me stretching Mark, you know. Wow. So whenever I talk crap about Mark, I. I always send him that picture of me stretching him in the, uh, in the trainer room, you know, so. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Uh, well, let's talk a little, some, some of the WWE news that we have this week. My favorite one was the one that I sent you a text about, and it's the one that I'm really, really excited for, is Jimmy Uso coming back. That was really cool, man. I did not expect that storyline happening because I thought when Jimmy Uso was coming back, I thought he was going to be in the fold, you know, right away, boom, uh, Roman Reigns gets another right-hand man and it just gonna, it's just going to keep on moving. Um, of course, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, that'd be cool if this happens, but I'm like, nah, WWE's probably not going to do it because it's the Usos, you know, they rarely have conflict on screen. So I thought they're going to be a tight, uh, tight unit from the beginning. And 
man, I, as soon as I saw that promo that I sent you, when he's like, first of all, you're not going to talk to me like you talked to my brother, Jay. And second of all, I ain't, no, I ain't nobody's bitch. And he just like walked off. I was like, oh man, here we go. This is going to be the best storytelling of 2021 in WWE. And Jimmy can pull it off because everything he says feels real. And uh, <clears throat> again, I have to be careful with what I say, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I've got to be careful. But, you know, what happens backstage uh, seems to always come to light, you know, with Titus and I. We were always together. He was always following me around, uh, being annoyed. And this man saw it, always took a liking to it. Um, backstage, um, Jimmy Uso uh, ain't no punk, you know what I mean? Uh, Jay, he's calm, calm, cool, and collected, you know, but he's got a short fuse. Jay? But, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Jay has a little bit of a short fuse, but Jimmy's going to bring it to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Jimmy is going to bring it to you, and uh, I'm looking forward to him bringing it to Roman, possibly. But, you know, I'm hearing maybe, what, the Usos could be working uh, the Mysterios. Is that true? Oh. Um. I did not hear that at all, but possibly that'd be really cool. Well, who are the tag team champions currently? Um, Dolph Ziggler and Robert. Probably. Yeah. Well, maybe I was hearing on the dirt sheets, you know, of course the dirt sheets that possibly the Mysterios could win the tag team champions and then probably feud with the Usos and I the love Usos that. would regain the tag team titles and then, you know, they'd have the tag team titles and then Roman would be champion as well. So they'd be carrying a lot of gold, you know? So yeah. that's what I heard on, on the dirt sheets about a possible uh, storyline in, in the future. I think it would be cool and it would be great experience for uh, Dominic and, you know, Rey Mysterio, Usos working them from personal experiences is a night off. That's a situation where everybody wins, right? Uh, Dom gets his first championship. Uh, Ray gets to be tag team championship ta tag team champions with his son and the Usos mm -hmm. regain and you know they continue the storyline with Roman and yeah it's gonna and be just and just look at the matchup you know yeah. two brothers two brothers against a father and son I mean can we think of something like that that's ever been done like that you know no. so I mean if that's if that's word on the on the dirt sheets I'm definitely co-signing to it yeah, and also what's great about this whole Jimmy Uso coming back thing is the fact that he can have two rivalries right off the bat, one with Jay and one with Roman, right? It's like almost mm -hmm. a triangle storyline. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really interesting to see where Jay stands because... And it's, and, and, and it's going to be real interesting to see Paul Heyman. He's going to be like... Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's all here in Paul Heyman. It never changes, you know? Yeah. Even when there's action in the ring, he always has a facial. And I'll be teaching a seminar this Saturday in New Jersey at a wrestling school, Spartan Championship Wrestling. And I'm going to be, you know, uh, preaching, you know, teaching. And it's all about here, you know? It's all about here. Vince McMahon would always say to me several times, Darren, you got to smile more. You got to let the people in, you know? So that's been embedded in my head so a lot of uh the tips and the tools and resources i've learned over the years i'm going to be teaching that this coming saturday so yeah, yeah it's all about the facials baby all about the facials
And Paul is such a talented genius, man. And not a lot of people can pull off his skills because little things like when Brock lost against Goldberg, uh, I think it was that match, but Paul shed a tear. Like he was able to shed a tear on that spot. I'm like, wow, that's hard. That's really, really hard, you know? Just just everything he does like that, if you – if you, I think we talked about it. Um, uh, Paul Heyman's phone case. I don't think we talked about the phone case, but his phone case is red, you know. So it's just very like, and I consider red not evil, but red is like very like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so like, just from his cell phone case to sometimes he has a red like, uh, like handkerchief. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. The devil. So, yes. So everything he does is very calculated, and I just love that about Paul Heyman. I know some people that I'm close to aren't big fans of him because he's very manipulative, but it is what it is. If you can't beat him, join him. You can learn from some. Yeah. You can learn from some sneaky stuff like that and make it and make it better. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's all about the detail, man. Because again, like going back to when Brock lost. Uh, the following week, they interviewed Paul, and Paul, for the first time on WWE television, had a five o'clock shadow. Like he hasn't, <laughs> you know, and he looked like yeah. he's been a mess. Like little things like yeah. that. It's like, damn, you are really bringing this to life, man. And like also when Roman makes his entrance and he holds up his Universal Championship, Paul always just like looks at it and like as yeah. a powerful thing that Roman's holding, which elevates yeah. the championship, you know? And the photos don't lie, you know what I mean? Like the photos are just perfect because when you see that, it's like iconic. It's not like Paul is looking off into the sunset or somewhere else, you know? He's very focused. That's why performing for me in front of no fans it's been it's been very easy for me. It's been very very easy for me because with no fans there, uh, we're we're making movies. You know, we're yeah. live com- we're live combat theater. You know, so uh, there, there's going to be moments where you know Paul Paul. It's easy for Paul, is what I'm trying to say, is because he just knows where to look. You know, where to stand where to be because he's got over 30 plus years experience yeah yeah he just knows yeah it's gonna be he's super super talented man and uh you know speaking of roman earlier with jimmy uso i'm really glad that his next match at wrestlemania backlash is with cesaro oh yes that's just gonna be a great match obviously i think roman's still gonna win but that's okay because Cesaro is getting that main event push that he deserved for a really long time now. And I think they should also, they, they haven't been doing it, but they should also tie in the fact that, and they should remind people that Cesaro used to be a Paul Heyman guy. They should bring that up in the story because when he won the Under, Under the Giant Battle Royal, he was represented by Paul Heyman afterwards, you know? So I feel like this, that should be included in the story. You know, I look at his situation as, uh, I look at Cesaro's situation as my situation. My last storyline was with The Miz, you know, and Miz was like fighting for me to, you know, win the championship title. Yeah. Of course, people that, of course, people that work under Vince McMahon didn't have my back. <clears throat> but I look at it as, 
this this WrestleMania every wait, what's the pay per view called again? WrestleMania Backlash. WrestleMania Backlash. Cesar should beat Roman, you know, and then they have another match uh, at uh, SummerSlam at MSG where Roman wins the title again. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, give a dog a bone. He's never held the championship. Let him hold it for a couple months. Yeah, I think that'll be really cool, and it's not gonna hurt Roman. You know, he could be like. Uh-huh. Like you said, slipping on a banana peel or whatever um, type of moment, and it won't it won't hurt Cesaro's win because he still deserves that spot. And I think you're yeah. right; it'll be really cool. And again, one of those situations where everyone wins, man. And yeah, Cesaro's just been killing it, and he's been doing so well. And I, I'm really glad that he kind of, you know, he all like his famous promo that he just wants to wrestle and he loves the business, he loves wrestling, and you know, it's inspirational to a lot of people who's like on the daily grind and they don't see the point of it anymore because it's getting them nowhere. And, you know, he can be that example, like, well, look, you know, hard work always pays off. Consistency pays off. So you should get Exactly. Exactly. He's been doing this so long. You know, he's, he's not a promo guy, you know, like I'm not a promo guy, you know, I can get through it. He can get through it, but he's just not, his strengths are wrestling, you know, so highlight his strengths. I wouldn't say his promo work is a weakness, but that's not, that, that's not who he is, you know, like, yeah. uh, me talking like this, that's not who I am, you know, having a masculine deep voice trying to sound like Shane, Shane Douglas. I don't have to do that anymore. This yeah. is who I am. Yeah. If I stumble, stumble and fumble with my words, hey, I had a speech impediment when I was in elementary school. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like, if Cesaro were to do promo segments, like you said, it shouldn't be heavily him talking, but it should be, do you remember like back in the well, day? It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be heavily scripted. You know what I mean? Because when yeah. it's scripted, it gets very overwhelming for people when your script is being changed over yeah. and over and over again with new Japan. One of my first promos is I said, the first thing I said is the one thing I love about new Japan is that I can say as much as I want and as little as and as and as little as I want, as much yes. as I want, and as a little as ugh. I can say as much as I want and as little as I want. You know yes. what I mean? Yes, yes, I so, do. So, like that's one thing I love about New Japan. WWE, those promos are scripted, and they'll they're they're giving you new ones. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, and it's got to be said this way because that's how Vince Man wants it to, to say. Please. And you know. um you're 100 percent right, uh, and I'm, as I was saying earlier for Cesaro, I think you know you have to realize that again, talking is not his strong point, so you have to kind of get away or get away around it. I thought it was genius the first time he came out to confront Roman Reigns and he grabbed the mic and Roman just walked away, and so see like Cesaro didn't need to talk, but it still delivered that good entertainment and it still told the story. So I think his promo segments or his like you know non-in-ring segments should be things like that instead of him like being on the mic it should be actions like i said like before um i don't know if you remember but when dolph Zig- when dolph ziggler was uh, a potential candidate for being the guy he would do little things where um you know all like i forgot who was maybe the authority would surround him in the ring and he's able to kind of do a little John Morrison parkour you know and he would get away uh he would get get away from all of them 
And again, that wasn't a promo, but it still wasn't a match, but that still elevated his character. So I think Cesaro should do things like that. Well, I mean, eventually you're going to have to say something, you know, even, you know, even if it's just bullet points, you know, I mean, yeah. eventually when you're in a high profile match, even if it's a little bit or a lot, you're going to have to tell a story somehow with your words. It is what it is, man. Um, but yeah, you can have those little moments like that where Roman walks away, but eventually you're going to have to say three or four sentences or yeah. something. And but you we can we already know that he can touch people's heart because on talking yeah. snack he had a heartfelt promo. You yeah. Know? Like you said, it just it just can't be scripted. It has to be coming yeah. from the from the man, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's gotta be coming from the heart and it's gotta be authentic as possible. What would you normally say? May I have my whole spiel and routine. However, I can get into a promo now, I can get to a promo. What's up, world? What's up, New Japan? You know what time and it's just time for Mr. No Days Off, the Suntan Superman, to go to work. And I'm about to go to work on Arnold's ass because we've been doing this podcast for such a long time now and he's been ducking and dodging me for many years now. Now it's time for you to get in the ring. The pandemic is over, but I'm not going to be done whooping that ass. You're going to leave California with three boots, or I can tell you that. Two on your feet and one in your ass, and a lifetime reminder of how badly Mr. No Days Off put a whooping on you. So you you, you got to bring it somehow, some way. Wow, on the spot, man. That's, that's, you know, you really, gotta, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, you just got to bring it, and whatever comes to your mouth, Yeah. you know, you, you just got to say, you know, and yeah, it, yeah. What do you think of Roman's new presentation with his new music? Oh, I love the music. I love it. I love it. And you know, speaking of new music, I I also always got to put myself over. But uh, I'm having, hopefully, I can use it. But I'm having some uh, new entrance music made, and oh. my, Michael and Michael Tarver is doing the uh, vocals. Man, it sounds oh, great. Oh, sick! You already have it's it. Got, yeah, uh, it, it's got to be probably. Uh, it's got to be cleaned up probably some more. But uh, I heard it. It's pretty cool, man. I Damn. Think oh, yeah, man. I can't wait. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I, I hope I could possibly use it use it for New Japan. Um, yeah, I always I love it I when music have lyrics. You know, I always mm. love all the theme songs. Like, of course, the iconic Shawn Michaels theme song. Yeah. And I, even Billy Guns, man. I'm an ass man. Bum, bum. Yeah. Little things like that. It just... Uh, my my favorite that's kind of like underrated is D'Lo Brown's. You're looking at the real oh. deal now. <laughs> I love his yeah. music, man. I love it. Yeah. Who's your favorite yeah. entrance music that has that have uh, their- Um. Again, yeah, Shawn Michaels was good, but I love The Rock. You know. Oh, of course. The. Uh, probably one of his last ones. Uh, no, not his last ones, but the one. Uh, it, I mean, it was done a little differently. You um, do you remember what I'm talking about? It's um, like, you know, in the early stages, it was you smell what the rock is cooking, ha! And then the music starts, know your role and shut your mouth. The rock says, the rock yeah. says, and that that would play as he's like walking. Was that the one yeah. you're talking about? Because after that, no. he just used the if you smell, and then it's all instrumental after that. But when he came back as a heel, when he came back, oh, yes, like yes, yeah. with the helicopter, yes, and everything. yes, yes, goes, yes, I'm, yes, yes, yeah, man, I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that, man. I can, oh, I can listen. The helicopter, huh? they use that same scene for the Miz's entrance. 
Oh, really? That same the scene? The LA is... freeway and everything. Like, they still what? use that for the Miss entrance. Oh, so is that, like, stock stock footage or something? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was original for The Rock, but then, like, for The Miz, they used that same visual. That thing was hot because it was yep. slow. Dance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was slow. And it came out like, with a bold, like, buzz cut yeah, with a yeah. new tribal tat and, oh, and then, God. And then, like, he, and then he was always, like, just, yeah. like, just, Looking like, like, just like, 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 yo, like, look at me, like, quirky yeah. <laughs> way, you know? Yeah, I always love yeah. it when The Rock does this with his, like, strudel, and he's, like, Lillian. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh-uh, Lillian, eyes up here. Yes, yes, yes. That's, so like, funny, that's, man. that's when he, that, that was his, that was his, am I saying it right? That was his comfort zone. That's where, like, that was it for him. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel in my presentation, you know? I'm not yeah. trying to be anyone else except for me, you know? I don't, not only do I steal from, you know, Tom Hanks said it best, you're dope if you don't steal from the greats. Another favorite quote of mine is, I don't just steal from the greats. I steal as to why they do what they do, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Rock eventually found his niche. I personally have found my niche where I'm comfortable in. Uh, not too comfortable, but just confident. You know yes. what I mean? So yeah. I found it. And if you don't like it, the fans don't like it, uh, too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. You really do look more comfortable in, in and out of the ring, man. It's really cool. Well, you know me personally, you know, I'm shy, I'm quiet, I'm always nervous, but when I've got to deliver, man, I've got to deliver, you know, yeah. uh, things like I always get on my God babies is, especially the boy, Daniel, uh, reading literacy, you know, you can't be, you know, talking high in, in a normal conversation, then when it com- comes time to present, you like talk like this and you read and read in school like that. No, you got to be confident. You got to smile. And I tell them all the time, you know, my boss, Mr. Man would always say smile, let the people in. So same stuff that I learned, I teach my God babies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good lesson to learn, man. And it's hard for kids, man. I hated doing book reports at school. You know, those like presentations. Well, the girls, yeah, well, the girls are different. The girls just, you know, they mature quicker and they just yeah. have that smile and have that energy. Try to teach them, you know, uh, to have confidence. Yeah, yeah. But it's a very hard thing to, to teach, you know, something you have to, like, experience. But, yeah, you're right, man. Well, well the thing is, like, you know, you know, if I'm around my God babies all the time, they know how I operate. They know. They see me doing the videos. They see me working out. So it's almost like... You know, you see how he's doing it. You're like, yeah. all right, that's how it's supposed to be done. So I want, you're right. I want to just be a good, a good role model and a good representation. Now, yeah. if I was just walking around with my pants down and saying, yo, 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 what's up, what's up, you know, then that's gonna start rubbing off on them. Like yeah. they think it's okay to do that, you know. Yeah. So it's just I want to be the best role model I can. That's great, man, and you're definitely doing that. Uh, someone who might not be a role model to a lot of people because it got a lot of people mad is the news that Eva Marie is coming back to the WWE. Yeah, I saw that, man. <laughs> what do I you think that, about that? I think that's great. I think that's great. I think she's very beautiful. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, uh, I think I read something, um, uh 
Bailey said something nasty about her uh, coming back, but um, yeah, man, uh, I think it's great. I always liked it. I always liked it because um, same thing I had told Titus, I told her there was a time when we were sitting on the airplane together and she was like telling me how like some of the girls didn't like her and stuff. And I was just listening. Yeah. And I said, I said, don't worry. The same girls that are shitting on you are going to be kissing your ass. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm happy that she's back. <laughs> what, what do you think? You know, I, you know, people have a problem with her because they feel like, Oh, she's, she doesn't know how to wrestle maybe she's not a true fan or whatever but I don't know like to me like I want her to succeed um but for me it's not so much of the wrestling to me even when she cuts promos like her tone is very like monotone you know like she doesn't reel you in like she doesn't make you feel (laughs) invested it's very like oh look at me um like the next evolution and it's like you can tell the script you can feel that she's reading it um in my own personal opinion uh i i feel like she doesn't have the it factor you know (laughs) i I just feel like like, i'm sure she has the image like if you just take a a picture of her take a picture of her like oh cool looks like she has the image of what wwe wants i get it but then she wrestles and then she talks and it's not there, you know, for at least right now. I hope she gets better. I hope she like succeeds. But even with that promo of her coming back, the montage of her um, on the car, to me, it just seems so flat. And I, Bro, I, I don't know, man. You know, what, like I said before, what what you see is what you get when it comes who I am is who I am. I'm going to cut a promo the way I cut a promo. The way she cuts a promo is the way she's going to cut the promo, you know? She's at that age. I mean, how can you get better? I mean, you can get more confident, but, like, it, I mean, it's not like she's uh, a, a child where you can learn and develop to get better. Yeah. That's just who she, that's just who she is. That's how she talks, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to yeah, take yeah. it or leave it. You have to take it or leave it, but it's at a point where, yeah, you could tell her to have more, you can tell her, tell her to have more enthusiasm, but even that's going to come across as probably like force. So that's who she is. You know, she's going to talk like this, like when she talks like this, it reminds me of like uh, old school, like Marilyn Monroe. And that's, that's who she's coming off as. Well, she's doing a great job because she's just like Marilyn Monroe. Listen to how Marilyn Monroe talked, or like, uh, or um, oh man, I forget the one lady that, uh, the one girl that died uh, of a of an overdose, blind. Uh, I forget her name. Oh, Anna Nicole. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah exactly, and, yeah. exactly, yeah, exactly. They all talk the same way, bro. Like you know me, I'm very big on in the. Yeah. I'm just stuttering nonstop. I'm very big <laughs> into body language, so yeah. it's like that's who that's how that's how they talk. But the thing is, it works for some people. Like monotone works for some people, but in my opinion, it doesn't work for her. You know, I don't know. Well, that's who she is, so you have to take it or leave it. That's true, man. That's <laughs> and apparently WWE took it, so and I hope yeah. I hope she succeeds, man. 
Yeah. Um, but what else have you been hearing from the fans? Everyone hates it. Like literally everyone hates it. People in my DMs who I didn't know were wrestling fans are DMing me like, oh, I can't believe she's back when they had the roster cut of Samoa Joe. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Like all these talents yeah. and they're, you know, they're using their budget on Eva Marie. So yeah. I think that adds fuel to the fire, definitely, you know. Um, but yeah, I just... Yeah, I like I like I said earlier. I want I wish her nothing but the best, but as of right now, I just don't see it. I don't I don't I just don't understand WWE's like thought process. Like, oh, we need to get Eva Marie back, because, yeah. you know, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think someone who's doing a great job and is feeling really comfortable is Alexa Bliss, man. I love, I love what she's doing right now. You know, having her own little character with her doll Lily, and um, and I'm so glad that I don't know her what her health issues are. I don't know why she's not wrestling as much. Maybe it might be the concussion that she she had during the whole. Um, evolution pay-per-view like prior to that she was supposed to wrestle trish but she ended up not wrestling her because of a concussion that ronda rousey gave her uh, so maybe that's still affecting her but regardless i'm happy that she's still on telev television weekly and i think her work right now is the best work she's ever done in her career she's a great actress man and she just nails that character Oh, I didn't know that Ronda gave her a concussion. Yep. It's on the documentary on WWE Network. It was at a house show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, did I see footage of that? Maybe I saw footage of that. They knew had, they had a footage of that, but they were like in a dark show. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's probably on purpose. Really? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, you know, that it was just something like, everyone's trained like how how's she getting a concussion but like you said though you always say it's not ballet stuff yeah happens. no no it's not ballet at all but uh, sometimes the girls can be a little <laughs> a little receipt from Rhonda. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I, you know honestly in my career man you know again i'm very proud 19 years i keep saying it but i've never had an issue like that yeah. Well, because everyone likes you, man. Yeah, someone's giving me a receipt. Uh, besides gender, several times kicking me in the mouth, uh, and then getting work done to my mouth, and then him kicking me in the mouth again. We just didn't click. But uh, <laughs> but thank you WWE for my veneers. Uh, oh, really? WWE? That was on WWE's dime. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So thank, so thank you for my seven thousand dollars plus veneers. Damn, that's cool, man. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I'm really excited to watch that I haven't seen yet. Uh, I'm really happy that they uploaded the whole episode on YouTube, but the whole Brian Pillman episode, the Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, I'm gonna have to take a look at that. Is that um? Is that up now? It's up on YouTube. It's like an hour, a oh. little over an hour. The whole episode's there on Vice's uh, YouTube channel. Okay, I'm going to take a look at it tonight. Um, how'd you like it? I watched snippets. I haven't seen the whole thing yet, uh, but I, I, I want to watch it. But it, was, it seemed really good because Stone Cold Steve Austin's there, and he talks about Brian, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. But 
<laughs> but man, like Brian Pillman, I believed him as a kid, man. I just thought he was crazy. Um, he was one of the best heels. I love it when one of his uh, entrance to the ring is he gets out of the ring and he uh, kind of like looks at the crowd, you know? So little like little things like that. I just think he 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 played both parts really well. The flying Brian, the athletic, blonde-haired, mullet, good-looking guy to the crazy, deranged yeah. lunatic. He did it all. Yeah. And like I said before, I think, uh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but man, his storyline with Goldust was the most personal storyline I've ever experienced, especially being 10 years old. Like I, yeah. literally took, I literally thought that he had Molina hostage, um, you know, and I felt for Goldust and every single week, I just felt bad whenever Goldust would wrestle and he would pop up on the screen with Molina, rubbing it in on his face that, you know, I have your wife, you know, doing what I please to her and it's, and and the fact that after he got dustin got uh terry back uh they cut that interview with jim ross and you know there was supposed to be this one big happy family them finally getting his wife back and then dustin divorces her (laughs) throws the ring at her i'm like wow man this is jerry springer like i well, it wasn't too, it wasn't like trash Jerry Springer, but it was like really, really good storytelling. And I believe every single bit of it, man. I wanted to do like kids, I wish, I wonder if kids 10 years old feel the same way we fit, felt about certain, certain storylines, like then like really being invested in it. Uh, but it seems like, well, I haven't seen a WWE crowd in a long time. But it seems like AEW, like the crowds are older. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There aren't there aren't any kids in the crowd. Yeah. So it's just yeah. I'm just very curious if they see what we see. You know, because at 10 years old or so, like yeah, those storylines are very wild, and I was invested. I think now kids are just like they look up to heroes. Um, you know, back in the day it was like John Cena or whatever, and I think it's not so much of like. Well, also because of the storytelling now, it's a little bit more PG, especially in WWE. Before, like, we thought everything was real, and we thought it was just, like, your dad going to his day job of wrestling. It just so happens, like, when you wrestle, there's this asshole that you work with, and it's causing you all pain, right? <laughs> and, like, I think <laughs> it's, like, this coworker that's, like, super evil and kidnaps your wife, and you're, and you're just trying to do your job to, to win your match, and you have to get distracted <laughs> by all these like outside factors. You know, you believe into that world. They just want to be great wrestlers. They want to win every match. They become the world champion. That's all they want. And now I think kids just see it as like watching Marvel. You know, I just think kids kids see it as like, oh no, when John Cena loses, they cry. You know, and you know, they just want John. So I don't think they're like heavily invested in them personally anymore. I think I think kids are all like average fans now. Mm. yeah that's funny uh the uh the one thing about the nexus documentary that i did was i didn't bury john cena like i wanted to but uh <laughs> yeah because the money the money wasn't enough you know if the money was uh, more that i would have just threw him under the bus yeah i said on the network uh throwing john under the bus john cena about how 
while he tried to break Michael Tarver's arm because uh-huh. there's a time where oh, something happened in a run-in and John Cena picked up the steps and threw it at Tarver and Tarver said he came to the back to the grill position pissed off he was like man that motherfucker tried to break my arm and I was cracking up I was cracking up so uh hopefully hopefully they use that sound bite on the <laughs> uh on on the documentary I think with that said that's a good spot to wrap it up for this episode um it's an exciting time wrestling with all these companies doing crossovers, man. It's unpredictable. It's the wild, wild west right now. And I just think it's cool that every day there's a wrestling program. Monday, Raw, uh, Tuesday. What's Tuesday? It used to be, I think Tuesday's uh, NXT now. Wednesday, uh, AEW. Thursday, Impact. Friday, SmackDown, you got like New Japan, you got all these wrestling. Friday, products. Friday is New Japan strong. Friday yeah, is New man. Japan strong. The hardest working hour in all of professional wrestling on the planet, New Japan strong. Yeah. And I'm happy to be a part of it. And I'll be talking about it until I'm six feet under because I'm very proud of it. As you should, man. As you should. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Uh, If you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a five-star review and let me know what you guys like about this podcast. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to comment, subscribe, like, and all that good stuff. And until then, block the hate, salute the great Arnold Telegarta.